0: just want to share, uh, keep sharing on this thing about Luke 15 and what it might mean to be found and all that sort of thing. Um, Because I've been in this place of home and what that means and Luke 15, I'm just sitting there and enjoying it. Um, But it was a month ago that I talked about it, I realized, so I should probably just You've probably all forgotten most of it by now, so I'll remind you of it. And then we can build on it a little bit. But we'll, we'll start with this. To truly know Jesus and what it means to live at home, we must go deeper and further in our journey of accepting that we are accepted. The more I've pondered this and the more I've thought about it, the more I am utterly convinced that this really is the bottom line of the Christian faith. That the only way you can actually rest in him is when you've learned that you're accepted. And when you accept the truth, that just as you are right now, you are accepted. And um, you don't have to do anything to be accepted, and you can't do anything to lose your acceptance. All you can do is listen to the arguments in your head that deny it and tell you why you're not. Or you can not listen to those arguments in your head and choose to believe the truth which is that you are accepted just as you are. And Luke 15 is these three stories that Jesus told about things that have been lost. It's sheep, coin, sons that we've been looking at. And really he's redefining what it means to be lost. But I think he's also trying to reorientate our hearts to see what repentance is all about and what it means to repent. Um, repentance, of course, is at the heart of the biblical story. But I, as I've pondered this, I realize that many of us get it the wrong way around. We get it in the wrong order so Hosea 14 verse 1 return Israel to the Lord your God and this sort of stuff happens all through the Old Testament all the prophets they're all calling people to return back to God to come back to God to repent actually the word repent doesn't appear very much in the Old Testament but the word return is over a thousand times and there's this constant call of God to return And the Hebrew is the word shub, it means to turn back, to return, to refresh, to repair, to reverse, to go back. Which means to a Jewish mind, to repent wasn't about something that is a mental act. It wasn't even about saying sorry. Repentance was a movement back towards their original position. Repentance is a movement back towards their original position. And then, of course, you get to the New Testament, and before Jesus arrived, there was John, and he carries on this call, to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Jesus comes along and says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So there's this whole sense of, okay, there's got to be a turning, there's got to be a moving. And traditionally, and I've taught it many years ago, that's the Greek is metanea uh, or something like that, which means to, to turn 180 degrees or to change your mind. And we've kind of made a lot of it about your mind. And there is, a place you might, there is a place for your mind, but I think we've kind of got it the wrong way round, really. I've come to say that if you try and repent in your mind, it makes it very difficult. Unless you've done something else first. But let's, let's go to Luke 15 and just explore this again. Yeah, we don't need all this. But when he came to his senses, he said, so that you remember the prodigal son, he's run away and uh, he's, in, he's spent all his money, he's wasted everything. He says, when he comes to his senses, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here he am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my dad and say to him, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And we said that for centuries, this prepared speech has been seen as one of repentance. But I don't think it is because actually this is all about him there's nothing in this speech that is about dad i want a relationship with you the whole point is going home is to get some food because he's hungry the whole point about going home is because he doesn't have a roof over his head the whole point about going home is he wants to go home for him he doesn't want to go home for dad he doesn't want to be with dad he just wants some food and being with dad is the price he has to pay to get some food And he goes, well, I can't go back as I'd like to go back, so I'm going to be, and and I don't think Dad will have me as a son, so I'm going to be like a hired servant. He's not after grace. He's still looking to earn his way out of his problem and pay back what he's lost. So he's still going, Dad, I can come home, but I've got to do A, B, C, D, and I'm willing to do A, B, C, D, and I'm going to work hard so I can come home. That's his thought, which is most of our thought when we get it wrong. We think we have to work hard, to get back home that there's some hard work and effort we've got to come in to get back home but actually there's no hard work and effort to get back home because you never left home you just became unaware that you were at home that's the truth now there may be hard work and will be hard work and effort to mean that you don't make those choices again but actually being at home has got nothing to do with the choices you make He still thinks his sonship, he he doesn't think sonship can be his, and he anticipates his servant-master relationship. He's not even looking to be reconciled. He just wants to eat and be provided for. And of course, the issue, as we said last time, is this. The real issue, but he didn't realize it, is not the broken law, the fact that he spent all the money and wasted it all. No, the real issue is there's a broken relationship. But it's not on Dad's front. As far as Dad's concerned, there is no broken relationship. As far as dad's concerned, he's always there ready and waiting and there's nothing really broken. But in the son's mind, there's something broken. But he ain't really understood that yet. And I think a lot of the time, so we know, because we're human beings, that every day we get things wrong. We say things we don't mean to say, or we don't say things we should say, or we do things we shouldn't do and all that sort of stuff. That's called being human and it's okay. It's called being human. We've got to lighten up a little bit about it. Jesus has dealt with it. He's dealt with sin he's totally dealt with it of course we live in the consequences of it and the more we can make those healthy better choices the better it is for us and everybody around us but jesus he's not concerned about it because he dealt with it he's just not concerned with it because he dealt with it of course we get lost because we we are yet to fully understand i think that the issue is not with the broken law but with the broken relationship and because there's this we know we've got something wrong then we somehow we've been conditioned and i suppose it was from the very beginning but we've been conditioned for shame and guilt to kind of sit on us and then we're conditioned to wear it and then many of us got brought up in traditions where we got conditioned that you had to kind of feel that for a little while and you had to wear it for a little while and it was really important you felt the weight of the sin <laughs> But of course, it's a bit of a nonsense, isn't it? Because if Jesus has dealt with it, there's nothing to feel the weight of. Of course, we feel the weight of the consequences. We feel that. We feel the weight of the consequences. And partly that's good, because if we didn't feel the weight of the consequences, we wouldn't do anything about it. But there's a difference between feeling the weight of the consequences and feeling the shame and guilt because I've done something wrong. And of course, sometimes we kind of, we dwell in that shame and guilt and we don't feel like we can find a way out of it but but really there's nothing there's nothing about shame and guilt that's really got to do with repenting that actually keeps you from actually repenting because effectively we do what adam did and eve did in the garden we go and hide from grace sitting in shame and guilt is basically playing hide and seek with grace and god's not calling you to play hide and seek with grace but of course we know at times That sense of shame and guilt and condemnation can be utterly overwhelming for us. Utterly overwhelming. We seem to think we can't talk to God or can't worship or we got wrong. I I remember, you know, years ago uh, when I was at university, I used to try and have this quiet time and sit in a chair and if I missed a couple of days, I wouldn't, well, I can't do today because I missed two days. That was the thought that went in my head because I, I can't possibly sit with him now because I've not sat with him for two days. I've missed two appointments so I can't make a third. This was our, this was the tradition I got brought up in and what I understood. load of utter crap? So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and his arm was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. But father said, quick, bring the best robe, ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fat and calf. Let's have a feast. So, of course, he, he, he kind of, I mean, he doesn't even get a chance to finish his little speech, does he? That's amazing. How, how, do we know, how do we know he's repented? Well, he's gone back home. Has he changed any of his ways yet? Has he promised he won't do any of it again yet? Has he changed anything in his thinking about who he is as a son? No, because he says right here, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But where is he? He's in father's arms. Okay, then he's on the right track, isn't he? But in that place of going, I'm not worthy to be your son, he's in father's arms. And it starts with being in father's arms because then he can start to deal with his sonship. But what he wants to do is he wants to deal with his sonship before he gets to father, but that's the wrong way around, but we'll get there in a minute. How does he repent? He repents by giving up any thought that he can work his way out of it or pay back what he lost or justify it or work it out in his mind or come up with reasons why it was perfectly all right and it was justified he just chooses to accept he's accepted by father and welcomed home I have learned to be past beating myself up most of the time for what I get wrong most of the time because I've learned it's a complete waste of time and energy It's just a complete waste of time and energy, isn't it? That's what I've realized. And I still stray into it every now and again. Of course, we're going to learn from our mistakes. Of course, that's how we grow. But beating ourselves up for what we did, that we can no longer change, and sitting in guilt, shame, and condemnation have got nothing to do with repentance. And they're not rooted in the heart of Jesus. And Jesus is not impressed by it. In fact, I think he's saddened by it. Because effectively what that boy son could have done when dad rushed out to him, right there in that moment that father throws his arms around him, he's got a choice. He could go, whoa, 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 whoa. He allows himself to be embraced or he doesn't. That's his moment of repentance. Are you going to allow yourself to be embraced or not? That's it right there. Are you going to let him embrace you? Knowing everything that you've done or not done? Or not? that's what it means are you going to let him embrace you i said earlier the theme of repentance and returning runs all through scripture and that to a jewish mind it wasn't a mental act or saying sorry it was a movement back to their original position which is why this parable is so key what was the son's original position the son's original position was in the arms of the father as his beloved son so if you think about hosea return O oh israel to the lord okay what's he done well he's returned If he's he's one of Israel's sons, which he is, he's returned to the Lord, to the Father. Fantastic. Has he changed his ways? Has he worked out why we got it wrong? Has he put all into place all the sorts of things he needs to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? No, he's done none of that yet. But he's returned to the arms of the Father. So the first step of repenting then isn't about saying sorry or mumbling some apology. It's about a movement back to your original position. Your original position before you ever left for a faraway country was in the arms of the Father where you have always and will always belong. Most of the time, we think about repentance and turning back to Jesus like we think about the Son. We assume we've got to lower ourselves, wallow in our unworthiness and come as a servant. But more than that, we think we have to sort ourselves out before we can go back to His embrace and enjoy His love. We get it the wrong way around. We go, once I've sorted myself out, then I can go back to him. And Jesus goes, no, come back to me, and then we'll sort you out. That's where I think we get it wrong all the time. Because when we try and sort ourselves out before we go back to him, really, you're just repenting in your own strength. But you're also repenting from a place of not being accepted. How can you do that? How can you possibly manage to be transformed when you're outside the heart of the Father and outside of His arms? So it's, it's almost an impossibility to do. But in these few words, Jesus shows what it really means to repent. It means to go further on the journey of accepting we are accepted, which is the first stage of repentance, not the last. We know we've got something wrong, and we try and put it right so we feel like we can come home. Completely the wrong way around. I've done it for way too long. Of course, Jesus delights in you changing And making choices that are healthy for you and those around you. But he has no desire that you do that on your own whilst you walk back home. His heart is that you work all that out whilst you are home in his arms. From that place of acceptance, we work out how to move forward. You see, when we choose to accept that we're accepted, and it is a simple choice. And listen, don't try and logic and reason it out because you won't. You lose. There is nothing in this world logically that says, the Father in heaven accepts you just as you are no matter what. There's nothing logically that works it out. Nothing in our world or in our culture or in our lives says that that's all right. So at some point, you just have to go, well, I'm just going to accept it then. And it is just a choice. It really is, I know, I know it seems complicated, it's really not. It's just like, okay, yeah, I don't understand it. No, I, listen, I don't get it. I don't understand how there is a God in heaven who accepts me just as I am. I don't really understand it, but I don't need to, and I'm not trying to, I'm just going to accept it. Because I can't understand it. How can I understand that I'm unconditionally loved? How can I understand with this mind that's currently unrenewed that I am, that i that, that that before I get out of bed I'm sung over and delighted over I don't get that at least not in here but in here I do in here I know it to be true I know it as an absolute reality but if you're going to try and repent with your head you're going to get stuck all the time when we choose to accept that we're accepted we become awakened to the reality of it and so once you go, okay, I am. And of course, your mind's got to catch up. But actually, it's just going, all right, thank you, Jesus. I'm a- all you've got to do is go, thank you, Jesus, I'm accepted. That's it. And you might have to do it every hour. But eventually, it'll catch up. Eventually, you'll realize it. But of course, the problem is, every time we say the opposite, we put ourselves back a long way. Every time... We believe the nonsense in our head, and especially when we speak it out or write it out or we speak it out, you realize that this principle of faith works both ways. So it works for the positive, it also works for the negative. And that what you say, you get, okay, well, that's true, positively and negatively. So we've got to be really careful what we say, and we've got to keep each other accountable. I've told you before, we should slap each other a little bit more when we say such nonsense. In a loving, kind way. No, but really, like, if we love each other, are we going to allow each other to say such stuff? <laughs> no, but like, what, what is love? Love's allowing you to say whatever you want, even though it's going to keep you in a horrible place. I don't think that's love. I don't think there's anything loving about that, actually. I think love is going, hang on a minute. You're better than that. You're worth more than that. That's not true. So we, we accept we are accept the truth in our hearts and our spirit then affects and begins to start to transform our mind. But the key thing is it's in that order. First we come home and we accept that we're accepted. And from that place of acceptance, our mind can be transformed and we can change. It's, I mean, just think about little kids. If I think about when my kids were little, did they respond best? When they knew they'd done something wrong and I was at a distance yelling and screaming at them. Or did they respond best when they sat on my knee? And first of all, I went, it's okay. And then we could talk about how they could change the behavior. Wh- which do you think worked best? I know what worked best. Well, it's just the same with you, isn't it? But we think we can change our behavior all the time while we're miles away from him. No, but he just don't work like that. The son is welcomed, showered with love and goodness, and seated at the table with a banquet with father. The acceptance comes first. But now think about it. Now he's got to keep living in that place. Every day, he's going to be around the table with dad. Every day, he's going to be in the fields. Every day, all this stuff's going to have gone. Okay, now he's got to work then. Now he's got to put the hard work in. But it starts with him in the house. It doesn't start with him outside the house, trying to get in the house. It starts with him in the house, working it all out. Each day he's going to have to remind himself that dad loves him and accept him. But this reminding of the truth is from inside. First we have to accept what we're accepted. And as we live from that place we can work on allowing this truth to transform and change our mind. But it's from a place of already being in, not a place of being out. And of course when I talk about returning to father's house and we use this analogy of leaving home. We remember it's an analogy. Your spirit is always at home. It's never left So so this is where the analogy breaks down a little bit because because your spirit's always there. Your spirit's never left. But your awareness and your feeling of it have left. So when I talk about accepting you accepted, I'm talking about accepting the truth of actual reality that your spirit knows to be true. Your body and soul may feel disconnected and your mind may tell you it's impossible for you right now to be accepted, but your spirit, of course, knows the truth. And of course, there's a battle and a fight. But, but again, we've got to stop trying to reason and logic it all out. That all happens in your mind and you won't get there. Some of us have just got to get a lot better at going, I don't know. And be all right with it. I, I, once, I once preached a message entitled, I don't know and that's okay. And it was all about this thing like, I, I have no idea, but I'm all right. I don't need to know. I don't need to know. I don't need to understand. I don't need to get it because I've already got it. Part of me in here knows it. It's got it. With it. You've never left home. It's impossible. So then, repentance then is a movement in your awareness back to your original position in the arms of the Father. It's a movement in your awareness back to your original position in the arms of the Father. And then of course, in that place, Okay, then we go, okay, what am I gonna do? What can I put in place? I don't wanna do this again. I wanna be better at this, I wanna be better. Okay, then then we can talk. But but then in that place, from a place of acceptance, then it's so much easier. Because if you're doing it outside that place, you're just gonna get rid of more guilt, more condemnation and more shame. From that place in the arms of the Father, our mind and body can become awakened to the truth. And from that place, our minds are transformed and our behavior changed. But it starts there. It starts at home. Knowing you're accepted and loved and delighted over. Any attempt at changing our mind or bettering ourselves or changing our behavior is doomed to failure if we do it from any other place. Because it's only when we start from a place of acceptance as we are that we can truly receive the grace that we need Any attempt at changing our mind or bettering ourselves or changing our behavior is doomed to failure if we do it from any other place because it's only when we start from a place of acceptance as we are that we can truly receive the grace that we need. Shall we pray? Mm-hmm. Father, we want to say, we want to say sorry, Jesus. When we've unnecessarily made it hard on ourselves by trying to work our way back to you by our own efforts. When we've got it the wrong way around and tried to fix ourselves and do this and do that when all the while you were wanting to run to us and wrap your arms around us and then talk about how we could do that. And Father, I thank you for this beautiful picture in these stories that you told Jesus. us of what it means to be received and accepted and loved and I thank you Father that our spirits love this stuff Lord our spirits just love it Lord they dance and shout for joy Lord when they hear it but we're really aware that our minds Lord they want to just shut it down and kill it but Father we are asking Lord that those thoughts that shut it down will be quiet in the name of Jesus. And that our spirit would get stronger and stronger, just as yours did, Jesus, when you grew and became strong in spirit. That we equally would become strong in spirit, Father. And we would remember, Lord, that whenever we get it wrong, whenever we mess up, whenever we make mistakes, The first step is to remind ourselves that we're accepted and to sit with you and then together we work out how to do better next day. We thank you Jesus and we love you. Amen.